0: Before I
1: get to my next guest, Kip Henley, I want to remind you about a couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Two Under. Two Under Men's Performance Briefs have just released their new Spring and Summer 22 collections, with fun, new, and exciting prints like the Freedom 2 and 3, Santa Fe, Tigers, Zebras, and Duckies, and their new exclusive Folds of Honor collection, where they donate 20% of all Folds of Honor sales proceeds to that cause. That's the number two, UNDR.com. Two Under, performance in your pants. Use code NEXTT20, that's N-X-T-T-E-E-20, for a 20% discount on the Two Under website. Also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret the pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus Four technology is designed with four additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play Plus Four and release the secret the pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet, the winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence. Grip golf pride. Okay, now back for a fourth time, and next on the tee with me is PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley. Let me remind you about Kip's background. He's from Chattanooga, Tennessee and is one of the most decorated players in Tennessee history. He was a Chattanooga City Prep Champion in high school and a winner of the Ewing Watkins Award for being an outstanding junior golfer in the city. Played his college golf at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, where he lettered every year from 1979 to 1982. In the 1981-82 season, Kip played in four tournaments. He had a top five, a top ten, and finished second on the team with a season scoring average of 76.10. That top five, oh, by the way, just happened to be in the Southern Conference Championship. In 82, Kip was named All-Southern Conference. That season, he also had a top 20 finish at the Marshall Invitational. Kip has been a PGA Class A professional since 1988. He played out on the Hooters NGA Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour, and a few times out on the PGA Tour. He won the Tennessee Assistant Pro Championship, the Tennessee Section Championship four times, the Tennessee State Open twice, once as an amateur in 1982 and once as a professional 15 years later in 1997. He's been named the Tennessee Player of the Year five times. He won the Golf Channel's Big Break 2 in 2004. He had back-to-back top 20s in this Tennessee Senior State Open in 2017 and 18. He's been a caddy on the PGA Tour for players like Jason Bond, Garrett Willis, Stewart Sink, VJ Singh, Austin Cook, Brian Gay, Boo Weekly, and now William McGirt. In 2014, the Chattanooga newspaper, the Chattanoogan, ranked Kip the eighth best player all time from the city of Chattanooga. In 2017, he was inducted into the Chattanooga Sports Hall of Fame, and I'm very honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Kip, thanks for coming back on the show.
2: What's up there, Mr. Chris? How are you, bud?
1: I'm fantastic. How are you, my friend?
2: Hey, before I say a word I'm going to do like Congress, Mr. Speaker, I yield back my time to Mr. Tessori. Holy cow was that great <laughs> stuff
1: indeed I'm going
2: to, listen to for the next fifteen minutes with me. <laughs> a lot of me Oh what a great friend and great human Paul Tassori is. I call him Story. I always have, but what well, he's always been a kind, helpful guy to me, I mean that was such an interesting. I think I tuned in with about 15 or 20 minutes to go, and, man, I was just stuck to my phone listening to that. I wish he was taking my 15 minutes. No kidding.
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. Kip, I got to start by getting your thoughts on this Live Tour thing. What do you think about the guys that have gone over there to play, and is this a tour? I mean, we know that they've got funding for the next three years. Is something that uh, you think is going to have longevity?
2: Um, uh, this will make a lot of people upset, but I sure hope it has longevity. And I, I hope it has longevity with no detriment to the PGA Tour, if that's possible. I think there's room, I think there's room in the game for both the, both the Tours, big time. You know, the Tour has built an absolute dynasty on, on how to run and be a, a, a Tourer and what they've done. I mean, I couldn't be a bigger fan of Jay Monahan. I'm the I'm his number one fan. The guy is absolute dynamite. And the guy knows all of us caddies interact with caddies, interacts with the the top players and the bottom rung players. <laughs> Sorry, um, I can't imagine a guy doing a better job than what he's done. Uh, so I'm praying that somehow this thing, this live tour blows up without hurting the PGA Tour. I don't fault the guys going over there one single bit. I mean I've always said that the PGA Tour players are the most underate—I mean, underpaid major sport uh, athletes in, in, the, in the world. You, you compare their as much TV time as they command you compare them to basketball football, baseball and all these other that they, these guys don't make the money those guys make and now that some of them start to make it. I think That'll only push the tour to start working harder, to build bigger contracts for themselves and TV. and it, it'll, it, It's going to make everything be better, I think. Um, I'm excited for the Live Tour. I'm, I'm, I hope like crazy it goes, Cliff.
1: So, Kip, how do you think it can be successful without taking more players from the PGA Tour and then watering down what the PGA Tour has? Just being Devil's advocate. I
2: hear you, and uh, I think that I think the tour missed. This is me, you know. I'm sure there's bigger guys, smarter guys out there than just no broken down caddy. But I think the tour missed the boat a little bit on not trying to work with them and bring them into the, you know, the tour helped. They bought like the European tour at one point, right? Like three, four, five years ago. I think they missed the boat on trying not to work with them and have them part of it. And I hope they look at what's going on and see how it looks like this is going to go and there's going to be guys that go and I hope they they step back and look at it, make a plan and say, uh-oh, maybe we need to do this right. Maybe there's room for both of us. I hear I, I 100% hear the people saying blood money and all these things. and And part of it's true, you know, but that culture is different than our culture, Chris. And is it better to stick your head in the sand and to say those guys are murderous idiots and they don't they don't see the world the way we see it? We're all about everything. Or do we interact and do we go through sports and do we grow through each other? Do we look at what they're doing properly and in their lives and we gain from that? And they look at what we're doing properly in lives. And they gain from that, and they look at what we're doing negatively, and they gain from that. We look at what they're doing negatively, and vice versa. And it makes the world a better place. Period. I don't care if you, you can you can say push them away that you know they're a different religion, they're different everything, and we hate those guys, and they're always going to be idiots. And you can treat it that way, or you can start to come together as countries and start to look and grow off each other. And that's what the game of golf is. money mentality that people are having and i think it's wrong obviously they're making mistakes compared to what we're doing obviously we're making mistakes to those people if you're a kid in afghanistan who are our drone blew up their family the innocent families they don't think america's doing everything perfect either but let thee without sin cast the first stone it's just i think we need to
1: Kip, let's switch gears a little bit. One of your jobs, I would imagine, as a caddy is to help your player play better and for helping him make his dreams come true. How do you view your role in helping somebody else achieve their dreams? <laughs> this is exactly
2: what we do. You know, even though their dreams are part of our dreams now, you know, a lot of our dreams burned out. Most of the, the caddies had dreams being players. But The thing is about most of the PGA Tour caddies, we stepped in so many holes along the way, you know. And we can look back in our career and see where, uh uh-oh, I fell down there or I fell. I should have never went this way. I should have went that way. And that helps us be a part of the next guy's dream. You know, we go, hey, be careful. I did this once (laughs) and I changed everything I was doing at this time. Instead of waiting it out and dancing with the girl that I brought, you know, to the dance, don't step in that hole. Be careful. And the best caddies, that's what we do. uh, We're we're riding the backs of our players, obviously, you know. And if you get a great player, you can help them be even greater. But if you get a terrible player, you can't make them win the Masters in two years. It just ain't going to happen. You have to have the talent on the other side, the guys swinging, and playing. But the, I think part of me being an okay caddy, you know, obviously there's better caddies out there than me, but part of my uh, being good at my job is I stepped in so many holes along the way. I really did. So I think I can help guys uh, you know, a little bit here and a little bit there. Caddy's going to make a little bit of difference at the end of the year. These guys are looking for any little tiny edge because the, the the play is so tight now on the PGA Tour. You look at the cut numbers, the cut numbers are dropping every year. The winning totals aren't changing a whole great deal. The cut numbers are falling, and they're packed up, and guys are shooting a lot of the great scores. So if you play okay, you miss cuts now. so You've got to play good, solid golf. But those guys are looking for the tiniest of edges, and I think the best caddies provide a tiny edge for some of the boys.
1: Kip, you were on the bag when Brian Gay won going away at Harbortown back in 2009. He won that week by 10 strokes. Talk about being on the bag that week for him.
2: That was such a special week, you know. Uh, I think the year prior, we had, Brian had finally broke through. and He had won uh, the Mexico event. And I think it was an off-field event at the time. I don't even think it even got him in the Masters. I don't think it did. I could be wrong on what I'm remembering, but we had, he had finally broke through and had a w. And I mean, I can remember calling the wife just off the touring tent right there, just in tears, and like, baby, we did it. And, you know, had a good solid check, and I was part of him growing. Such a special time. And then the following year was '09, and that's when he just went crazy. You know, he had two wins. He won Hilton Head by ten, and then he won Memphis by five. And uh, he was just on fire. We just had a special run. I mean, it was such it was so cool to be a part of that. Him kind of getting what he deserved in his PGA Tour career. You and, know, and I'm not. I you know, I, I mean, I was a little bitty piece of the puzzle. You know, he had switched teachers the year that I signed on. and He had gotten smarter. And, you know, he had just everything just kind of came together all at once, and I just had to be standing there beside him. It was pretty cool.
1: Kip, I read that outside of Augusta National, Hilton Head is your favorite tournament out on tour. Talk about why.
2: Well, one, I mean, one reason is because we had so much success there. The other reason is my little brother was the assistant pro at Harbortown. Brent know, Caddy's on tour as well. He was the assistant pro down there at Harbortown for like three years. And John Farrell was the head pro that gave him the job. And I just have so many dear friends around the area. Plus, Brian went by 10 and plus we used to, Brent and all his flunky friends used to come down from Chattanooga, and we used to rent a great big house. I mean, we, we've had eight-bedroom houses before down there on the island, everybody wow. chunks in a chunk of money, and then we just cook, you know, drink like crazy, and just have so, we used to have the most fun there. Part of that's died out now that me and Brent can't seem to stay, you know, active on tour as, 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 as we once were, but. Uh, I'm not giving up. Brent kind of feels like he's giving up. I'm not giving up. I know that something good
1: is going to come my way if I just keep pedaling along, you know? Kip, I have to believe that one of the best perks of being a caddy may also be one of the biggest negatives, and that's all the travel. I mean, you get to see places that most of us will never see, but the opposite side of that coin is you're the one making all the travel arrangements. It's a life with long stretches away from your wife and family, living out of suitcases, doing laundry at the hotel. Talk about the good and the bad that comes with life out on tour as a caddy.
2: Well, you said it. the the, the part of being gone, you know. Uh, I have two. I raised two beautiful daughters, you know, and they're still doing great in life. But I was a club pro at the time when they were growing up, their formative years, and when they were being, you know, becoming little women to speak and I had a beautiful wife and a smart, intelligent wife who's always been supportive. But my girls were pretty much raised before I took off and hit the road. That was a blessing. I was lucky, you know, I think my youngest was a senior in high school before I finally started being a gone dad, you know, being gone like two thirds of the year just completely out of the picture, you know, except for phone calls and stuff. But uh that part thing, being gone stinks. Sometimes the travel can really be painful and hurtful when the flights get canceled and the rental cars don't happen and things like that. you got to bounce from hotel to hotel. But the other side of it can be just as beautiful, you know. I get to go to New York and Miami and L.A., and London, China and, North, and Korea.
0: <laughs>
2: I mean, I get to see the world in sunshine and pretty much everywhere I go. You know, we follow the sun. I mean, I'm such a blessed boy. We get to go to the ball games and we get sweet tickets and we get backstage concert tickets and all the other, all the negative stuff just gets so offset by my job. I have never tired of caddy. And I know it burns out a lot of caddies, but, man, you know, I'm 61 heading to 62 here in a month, and I just can't wait for the sun to come up tomorrow. You know, I'm up here in Canada this week, and I got a one-week deal because of uh, uh, – Jason Duffner's caddy, one of my dearest friends on tour, uh, Brandon Antis, he, he never got the jab. So he couldn't come across the board of the, the Canucks, wouldn't let him in here, without getting him the shot. So I got a chance to come up and work for Duff. Me and Duff get started tomorrow, and I just can't wait for the sun to come up so I get to do it all again with him. man.
1: And, kept speaking of your wife, Sissy, back in 2016, she wrote a wonderful tweet about the start of the new season which meant it was time for her to put back on her unconditional cheerleader uniform, her travel agent hat, clear her psychologist's couch, and make herself available at a moment's notice to rearrange, fix, reserve, or help with everything that comes along with life being a part. Talk about her part and life being the wife of a tour caddy.
2: Listen, the uh, divorce rate on the PJ Tour for caddies and players is so high because it's such... A stressful job for a, a relationship and if you ain't got a strong-willed very supportive very secure great woman in your life you're heading for disaster I'd say if you don't you need to get out if you want to keep that that girl but if you mm-hmm. got somebody like I got we me and sister working on 35 years I've been caddying. this is my 19th year and it's not easy Chris good God it's hard and we're separated so much. She has to do the, you know, she has to do the, the little chores around the house that a man should be doing. She has to do all the bills. She's got to sit there at night and listen to you cry on her shoulder about the players not doing right, doing bad things, whatever they're doing on the golf course. And it's, it's just you need a strong woman. And I got one, man. I got a good one, but that's how it somehow, uh, worked out for me. I mean, it's it's that that piece that she wrote. I think it should get retweeted or put on the the in Golf Digest every single month because it's such a beautifully written thing about how we're out here helping guys. You know, our dreams have kind of burned out, but we're helping the guys chase their dreams down now. It was it was such a wonderful piece. She's got away with a pen, man, like crazy.
1: Those things that Sissy does for you. It would seem to me that you have to do those same things for your player. I mean your part time psychologist, the guy who has to fix everything when the wheels come off and build up his confidence. Talk about what you do, aside from giving your player yardages and handing him a club, all the things that you do that we don't see.
2: So you hit the nail on the head, you know, we, we pick up the kids from the daycare, you know, we run their laundry over across the town. You know, we go to the airport and pick up their luggage when it's lost and things like that. I mean, we're—I call my—I introduce myself on the first tee. You know, when to the score, you know, they want to know who caddies they can rely on to ask a question. I'll always go up to the score and I'll say, "I'm Kip Healy and I'm uh, uh, Will McGurk's outdoor butler." That's what I call myself, outdoor <laughs> butler. But I'm not just a caddy. I do—I do everything, and that's part of my job. You know, this guy's. They pay us good money. You know, they're making good money, but good guys, some of these guys pay so great. They give a big chunk of their, their cash to us to help us keep going out there. But uh, we do a lot. It's not just that, but I, I think, Chris, the, the, the thing that, and I, I think back to the story, the guy's just a mental giant. Now, he was not a mental giant when he played. You know, he has flashes where he kills it. But him not being a mental giant helps him it helps him help his man be a mental giant on the golf course. You know, he had the negative thoughts coming in his head. And he had things, and he, he fights them off sometimes. And you can't beat him with a, a daggum rubber hose. You can't beat. Sorry, he's so dang good at the game. But you know, he failed, and he failed in his career a little bit. just like me. I mean, he didn't fail as miserably as I did, but he failed too. Like I said, he stepped in those holes, and he'll, he'll help every player that ever anybody ever touches, he'll help them avoid those holes. And, uh, that's what we do, bud.
1: Kip, just a couple of more before I let you go, and I want to take you back to 2011. Brian Gay had a great deal of success at the FedEx St. Jude Classic, he won it in 2009. You get an automatic berth to play in the tournament that year because you're the PGA section champion. But by accepting that spot in the field and not being on Brian's bag, you're pretty much giving up a guaranteed large paycheck. Was it a difficult decision to play that week versus being on his bag?
2: <laughs> oh, really? I mean, if you look back to my golf career, you can point I mean there's like there's like fifteen or twenty big cat things where like you have a big star on most days. If you look like got risk. Be my last one, and getting to hang out there at week with the players and stuff, and eating player dining. It was so special. In fact, I made an announcement in player dining. That was like Wednesday of the the tournament. I'm sitting up in to the top thing up there in player dining, air conditioning, waitresses waiting on your hand and foot, and just all the food and the buffets and everything. And I'm looking out the windows, and the caddies are out there under the trees, just burning up, waiting on the players to walk out. And I stood up in player dining, and I said, fellas, I'd like to make an announcement. And I said, uh, everybody got got real quiet. I mean, Ernie Ells and everybody was in there. It was a bunch of players. And I said, we as players, I said, I think we really need to start letting these caddies come in here and hang out with us and eat this nice food with us. I said, but let's start it next week. But it was a great week, even though I mean it was a terrible, dumb decision. But God, what a great week that was! to Play. I mean, I shot one sixty, I shot eighty one seventy nine, and I made. I never missed a putt inside of ten feet for two days. I hit it everywhere. Good God, I broke the outdoor provisional ball record for those two days on the PGA Tour. Trust.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Kip, you were inducted into the Chattanooga Sports Hall of Fame. What was it like being recognized like that in your hometown?
2: Well, the most special part of all that, Chris, is my father had gone in there before me a few years prior for uh, fast-pitch softball. So getting my name in one of the things, along with my wonderful, wonderful father, Calvin. I'm Calvin Howard Henley III, by the way. Sounds very important, but it's not. But uh, uh, it is important in the name, but. My father, Sammy Henley, who, who was Calvin Howard Henley Jr., was already in there before I got there. So that was the thing that meant the most to me, being in there with my dad. But to get recognized, and you know, I feel like uh, Tennessee Golf Hall of Fame. I'm just, you no, know, I'm kind of on the, I'm sitting there on the ledge, hanging on my fingertips, trying to pull myself up to get that. And I think I need to accomplish one or two more great things as a senior to where. They almost won't be able to keep me out of that, I think. But, uh, obviously, there's so many people in that thing that have uh, accomplished so much more than me. But I've got a pretty good track record. And the way golf's going now, where the fields are so strong, it's hard to stay on top, you know. And hard to win tournaments year after year like I used to when there wasn't much competition. There was competition, but not like it is now. It's deep. So, guys' careers aren't going to look as, spectacular as some of the guys in years past because you just can't beat these cats day in and day out because they're just as good as you are now. So I think that if I can accomplish one or two more things or do something, you know, that really help people out in the game or something like that. That may be as I get older, that's where my mind starts to turn now, you know, maybe I need to give back more to the tour and help kids and teach more and and maybe that will but I I'm really Want to be in that Tennessee Golf Hall of Fame at uh, Hall of Fame someday.
1: Kip, you're a great follow on Twitter. Remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you on social media. Yeah,
2: well I'm just Kip Henley on Twitter and I mean, I, I don't even know what I am on Instagram. I don't do much, but if you're not 18, you got to ask your folks to follow me on Twitter. <laughs> I curse and things like that. And I play, I'm a little bit past G-rated on there, but I have fun, and I laugh, and that's what I, you know, I try to pass along some good information here and there, Chris, but it's more about enjoying life and, you know, la- uh, loving, laughing. You know, I got that side of my personality from my mom. My mom loved to laugh and pull jokes and stuff, and I live for that. So I want people around me smiling and laughing, bud.
1: Kip, you're fantastic. I can't thank you enough for being patient with the show tonight and staying and being a part of it. You always make this segment so much fun. I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you again soon. If
2: you have me on again and I follow the story, I will I will pass. I won't do it. That's too that's big a excuse to, to come in there behind, man. But I enjoyed <laughs> it, Chris. And You know, I love being on here with you, bud.
1: I appreciate that and you very much, Kip. The best of luck to you and Duff up at the Canadian Open this week. I look forward to catching up with you again soon.
2: Yeah, you guys pulled for Duff in the Canadian Open this week. Great golf course, by the way. St. George in Canada. Holy cow, what a track!
1: Amazing. All right, man, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Rooting hard for both of you this week. Take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. That is the great Kip Henley. And, folks, you got to follow him on Twitter at Kip Henley. He's hilarious. Such a fun guy. And you can hear it in his voice, right? He makes every time he comes on the show, he makes this segment so much fun because he has fun at what he does, and he's really good at it. And, folks, you don't get into a Chattanooga Sports Hall of Fame on accident. He had a great career in and around the state of Tennessee, should be in the Tennessee Golf Hall of Fame. Can't imagine what could possibly be keeping him out of it based on the number of tournaments that he's won in and around that state. So I'll be pulling hard for him to get in there. He deserves it. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks go out to Tim Simpson, Ian Baker Finch, Paul Tessori, and Kip Henley for joining me tonight. Scheduled to join me next week are three of the top instructors in the game, Brian Jacobs, Cindy Miller, and Nancy Corsellino. So really excited about having those three as part of the show. Plus the owner of Purcell Farms Golf Course over in Alabama, David Purcell. We'll be back on the show. So it's going to be a great one, folks. I hope you'll come back and join me and be a part of it. You can listen to this show as a podcast on just about every major podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audioboom, Player.fm, Podbean. If you've got a favorite podcasting app, just go into the search bar, type in Next on the T. I'm sure we're probably on there as well. Please also check out our website, NextOnTheT.net, to see what our upcoming guest schedule looks like. Plus, we give you links back to recent episodes and individual guest segments. So whether you've got 20 minutes or two hours, we've got some great golf content there for you. Folks, I can't thank you enough for tuning in and listening to the show tonight. I know there are a lot of great golf podcasts out there. I can't thank you enough for continuing to make Next on the Tee a part of your golf content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.